0: A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New
1: episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.
0: Score! Johnny Toronto! I wonder if they can hear it on Long Island. 2-1-0. 2-1-0. Riley Great save by Anderson. Riley stayed on side. The late man Matthews. Great move. What a goal! Beauty. Austin Matthews. Matthews flipped it up for Marner. Mitch Marner centering. Hyman into the net. Scores. He took that. Alright, here we go. Episode 53 of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network at Ken B. McCarthy 95 at LeafsPod, at HockeyPodNets. And a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. The second round is in full swing and the action increases from game to game. This is where the contenders are separated from the pretenders, and to give you some skin in the game, DraftKings will be offering free-to-play pools every day of the basketball playoffs, offering players a free shot of up to $10,000 in total prizes. That's right, up to $10,000 in total prizes up for grabs each day. The best part is it's free-to-play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app. Go to pools and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience what do we want you to do download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at ten thousand dollars in total prizes every day of the hockey playoffs head to the DraftKings pools page to get your huge shot at cash prizes that's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook eligibility restrictions apply see DraftKings.com for details Episode 53 of Leafs Pod. The Leafs are out of the playoffs, but I'm happy to be joined at my household today. The first time we've been face-to-face in months by Brendan McCarthy. Uh, yeah, we tried to record face-to-face a while back. It didn't work out. And uh, finally, with the alleviated COVID situation, we can uh, record in, in my stu- home studio.
1: This is uh, this is quite the milestone for us, man. I'm happy we could finally actually do it, record an episode in your humble abode. I feel like we've, we've worked tirelessly to get to this point. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of episodes via StreamYard or Zoom, and now we don't have to worry about any uh, audio disruption or starting over again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's one of the things that I never considered. And working at TSN 1050, we've had to deal with this firsthand for basically the whole pandemic. And even for, you know, the TSN guys, you know, doing hits from home, is that you're at the mercy of technology and stuff fails all the time, and it, yeah. it could just be a little bit more of a, a pain in the ass to get stuff done, and ultimately just, like, way worse rapport. Like, it's harder to feel the energy and, like, get, you know, the jokes flowing when you're just, like, looking at a screen.
1: I gotta be honest, I know I'm, I'm pretty notorious for just, like, blanking and, you, and when, you, when you
0: showed me, <laughs> but now I'm, so. like, I'm dialed in more. But it's
1: true, because when you're just doing it, you know, I'm looking at my MacBook Air, and there's Ken Canon, like, a little screen, but here you are right in front of me. Here we are. better.
0: All right. Listen, it's been uh, about a week since Toronto was eliminated from the playoffs. How will, have your feelings changed? Or are, do, are you feeling the same way? Like, uh, I, I feel a little bit uh, more down-to-earth and zen with the fact that the Leafs are out of the playoffs. Like, Still equally surprised, uh, and the Leafs did have their end-of-season availability, so we'll certainly get into what Shanahan had to say, what Kyle Dubas had to say, what some of the players had to say. What are your initial feelings about a week after? Now, post mortem after the leaf season ended.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you can effectively say now that the dust is settled. We're what a week and a bit out. Sure, it stings a little bit, but I mean, it's 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 something that you kind of just have to stew on for the for the whole season. And I don't want to equate it, it too much to the wraps, but I mean you're also the producer for the raps and, and you typically like to choose a rap for your library bar
0: yeah.
1: uh, segment. So, I mean, you look at the raps and, and just, just to equate it to a Toronto team that had to go through a lot of adversity and hardship before they made it big. Like remember the raps, they got swept by the wizards, booed out of their home arena and obviously Lebron for so many years. Like, I feel like the Leafs effectively just have to kind <laughs> of true. go through that. And in this case, you know, it's been the Bruins, and this year it's been Montreal, who's effectively been the Leafs' Achilles. See, I'm saying it effectively a lot today. But it's it's almost just like you have to actually go to rock bottom. Because I think you can, you can say this year that the Leafs did hit rock bottom. It's a failed season. We get it.
0: I thought it was rock bottom last year when they lost to Columbus. To be honest, I guess this is even I, I, further down. Th- yeah, the this hole. Is, yeah, this is <laughs> honestly this is like the Marianas Trench. Yes, for Maple exactly. Leaf fans waiting for the next season to start. But if you're still
1: like if you're still pissed, I think people are are pissed at really Mitch Marner. That is the that is the guy who has the the big oh red target on his back, and it's it's really stupid because yeah, he didn't perform well in the postseason. He, he, he really didn't. But, it, like, the amount of mutts out there that, that criticize people and players for what they do in the offseason, it's stupid. Yeah. Don't, don't base it solely off that. You have to, you, you can break down their, their performance, but once you start getting into the, the personal side of things, that's got to stop. And it's, it's been happening too much, obviously, with the, with the Mark Shifley uh, hit on Jake Evans a few nights ago. His family took verbal abuse. Like, That's where it just gets out of hand. And obviously Leafs Nation is full of fanatics, but sometimes I feel like it just gets way too out of hand. So you got to... Obviously, maybe it's still a little fresh, the the scab, but once you start getting into the personal side of things, you've really crossed the line.
0: We'll talk about the Sheffley head a little bit later in the Around the League segment, because obviously that is a huge point of conversation uh, through this week. Like It's basically been the point of conversation, so a lot to get into with that Winnipeg and Montreal series. But yeah, I I, I agree with you as far as the treatments that Marner has been receiving online. It's been, it's brutal. Like, There's no other way to put it. And you know, you can be upset with his performance on the ice. You can be upset with the contract negotiation last year. I think that's something that hurts Mitch in particular, is I don't think he's often the most eloquent with his words when he's uh, doing these post-game press conferences. Or perhaps he's just too brutally honest. And it's you know, he just doesn't have a good way of making himself sound likable to the fan base. It's very true. Because when you're asking, you know, after the loss of a, after you lose a playoff series and you know the reporter asks you, is there anything that you would have done differently to repair? And your initial response is no. And they went on to explain why he thought they were prepared. But I I that quote was so click, circling on Twitter and doing the rounds. Like, was there anything that you would do different? And it was just like, no, dot, dot, dot. And like that was it. It just sounds terrible because the answer is obviously yes. Like, there you do need to change your preparation or find a way that you can be mentally ready and engaged for the series because you were a vanishing act and ultimately your team needs you to be better in the big moments. And it's okay to say that, that your best players need to be better. But at the same time, I don't think that Mitch helps himself out by the way that he, you know, or he is portrayed or portrays himself or his work ethic or anything like that to the media. and something that he has to work on.
1: I, I think that's an excellent point. And, you know, early in the season, obviously ever since these, these two guys came in the league, the, the pressure just continued to mount every year. Really the only year they got off scot-free was 2017 because no one expected it. But ever since then, and they've added leadership, I think it's time for both of these guys because they're not, like, solely the ones in the spotlight – you have Nylander, Tavares. Like they've they've added these pieces to complement these two. I think for for Matthews and Marner going forward, they almost have to be a little bit more professional and maybe adopt more of of a leadership role. And that means not saying the same bland, generic crap every year. Because we were just saying before on your deck, you could basically just roll the tape back. And Marner said the same thing after the Columbus series. So there needs to be there needs to be more of a level of professionalism, owning it, accepting it and being able to 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 kind of craft out your your next plan and like doing it with i feel like they're just
0: moping around and and that's turning the fan base the wrong way and like you said after the columbus series i believe like I, i don't have the quotes right in front of me yeah but he said something to the tune of, like, we just didn't start on time in, like, a bunch of the games. And it's kind of, I think that's where the fan base gets the most aggroed. Yeah. Because when you look at a player who is holding the organization's feet to the fire for, you know, half a million dollars or whatever it was, extra on the contract. report was out there that the Leafs offered him 10 by 8 and he was like, no, not enough. And then he ultimately ends up getting, a, I think it's 10.893 or something uh, for his cap hit, his AAV. But it's like then when the report comes out that you know, you're know you holding the organization's feet to the fire when they offered you an eight-year, $80 million contract when you're three years into the league. It's kind of like that leaves a bad taste in the mouth. And then you don't show up or you have a down year and then the Columbus series happens and you have a down series. That's kind of like, well, if you're going to demand those sorts of dollars, then there's going to be an expectation that you're going to elevate your play in the big moments. Yes. And if you're the Maple Leafs and you have... A big cap hit tied up with Tavares and Nylander and Matthews and Marner. Not that I'm necessarily opposed to the numbers that they're getting paid, because ultimately, like a big problem that the Leafs have run into, and it wasn't something that anybody could predict, was the flat cap. Like the cap's going to be flat now. Kyle Dubas was projecting that these contracts would get better as time went along, when the cap went up $4 million a year, $5 million a year, and he'd have a little bit more wiggle room. Well, then a pandemic happened. And now the cap is flat. It's likely going to be flat this year, uh, next year, maybe even the year after that as the league tries to recoup losses. And it's put the Leafs in a salary cap bind. So now it's all the more important that your big players on the big contracts are performing. And unfortunately for the Leafs, Tavares is out of the lineup, so he can't contribute. Matthews and Marner both uh, were a little bit quieter in the series than they were against the Canadiens in the regular season. And Nylander is ultimately the only player who elevates his play to above what the dollars he's being paid in the series. So if, if you're going to have three of your top four guys not contributing, not that Tavares is like that was any fault of his, then you're going to have a hard time winning in the playoffs. And that's ultimately what happened to Toronto. But I think you can always
1: turn to that. And that's what like ardent Leaf fans, passionately fans are going to turn to. It's like, okay, like you, you held out, you held out and you, you got what you wanted. You hit the jackpot. You're making stupid AAV. And at some point it's like, I don't I don't care. Nobody cares what you do in the regular season. Yeah. They could put up 130 like like you said on the previous spot. They could they could be perfect clean slate next year record. It doesn't it doesn't matter. Doesn't it matter. really doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. And if they're right. not going to elevate their play when it matters most, then that contract just makes Dubas and everybody look stupid. And it makes Marner look stupid too. You you held out for that much money, that 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 amount of term and that high of a salary per
0: year. You gotta start. You gotta start producing. When I look at the AAV that player makes, I don't necessarily put that on the management or on the player. Rather, I put it on the management because ultimately, as a contracted player, like you're going to try to get the most money for your abilities, and your agent's going to try to do that. So, if the player wants to try to get as much money as he can, by all means, go for it. Like the player deserves, like if he thinks he deserves X amount, I don't think it's necessarily his fault that he's getting paid that. But you also have to understand that the expectations of your play are going to be elevated as the number goes up. So for Marner, it's like he could say that you know the media is not treating them fairly, which is another thing that he was talking about in his post-game availability or his postseason availability that the media is being hard on him and the Toronto market is like you know this, that, and the other thing, but. Like, nobody was complaining during the regular season when, you know, Sportsnet and TSN and all these, like, smaller networks are pumping the Leafs' tires saying that, you know, Matthews and Marner are, like, two of the best players in the league and Matthews is winning the Rocket and it's, like, all oh, well and dandy. They're going to steamroll the Canadian division and everybody's picking the Leafs to beat Montreal. Nobody's complaining about the media at that point. They're only complaining about it then after the fact when it's the series doesn't go in your favor. And a large part from the media, it wasn't necessarily an attack on Marner's character. It was just on the play on the ice, and it wasn't good enough. And that's the, that's the problem at the issue that I have with it, is if you're going to fight for the more, most money, by all means, get what you think you can deserve. But then you also can't turn around and say, well, they're being really hard on me. If you're going to be making 10.8, you have to be able to score more than one goal and no goals in 18 playoff games in your last 18. That's unacceptable. But it, it, it
1: relays back to the player, though. Obviously, it falls yes. to the management, but for the player, too, because you look at Mitch, and then you look at other guys around the league, like McKinnon, Bergeron, Crosby, who were good guys to take a, a pay cut because they wanted to win. Obviously, Crosby did it, and it was effective. Oh, Bergeron Cros- has done it. It was effective. He, he, like All he, these guys, like Pasternak, for yeah, example. He, he, like, the he, list goes
0: on. He, here's what I will say about like those contracts that you just named. Crosby, when he signed his initial deal, it was a high deal. It was making him paid, like I believe it made him paid the highest paid player in the league. But then the deal, as the cap expands, it becomes a value contract. With Nick McKinnon, he had a really slow start to his career. So he signs on at 6.5, which was a fair deal at the time for his production. But then all of a sudden he supersedes it, and now he's a bargain because he's you know, one of the top three players in the game making 6.5. Bergeron's a good example because he did take a haircut. Pasternak, same thing. It was kind of like it was a good deal at the time, but now he's elevating his play. But then you look at, you know, teams like Colorado or teams like Boston that other players are taking a little bit less. Like, I believe on the Boston Bruins, David Krejci is the highest paid player. I believe you're and that, right. And that's, yeah. and, that, and that's insane when you look at the players that they have, uh, whether it be Tukorask, Bergeron, uh, Marshand, you know, David Pasternak, mm-hmm. Charlie McAvoy on the blue line. Like, the list goes on and on. And David Krejci is the guy who's making the most money. And ultimately, like, that's also what you have to understand when you're a player in a cap league where it's a hard cap is that if you're negotiating tooth and nail to try to get a couple extra bucks, every dollar that you take for yourself is a dollar that the organization isn't going to be able to spend to bring in auxiliary help help to subsidize the bottom half of your lineup. So if you want 10.8, that's fine. But if you, for example, take 10, then that's another $800,000 that the team can use to try to maybe bring in some help. Maybe maybe they use that to sign a better defenseman for their bottom pair. Maybe they use it to subsidize the bottom six of their lineup so that they can get more scoring punch there. Right. But And that's money that the organization doesn't have now. So that's also a little bit. I'm not saying that the players should be you know, putting themselves out of the way to not take the money that they think they deserve, but also you have to understand the repercussions that has on the organization, the team, if everybody's going to be trying to get every penny that they're owed all the time.
1: But it also looks bad, and I guess we'll use Bruins because it is our best example with Pasternak and, and Bergeron taking haircuts. That was post-2011 winning the Cup. Marner got his deal before he did anything. Yeah. Like, typically those mammoth, well almost always those mammoth contracts will come into effect, you know, after a deep Cup run. Not yeah. necessarily winning the Cup, but going to the Final Four. Okay, had a really good run. He was, you know, top three on the team in, in points during the, like, He earned like Mitch. It was just based off regular season play, yeah. So that's why it looks so bad, and that's why people are frustrated. And clearly, we're frustrated about it too. And it it just it's tough. It really is because now they're like, how many other teams are the Leafs the only team in the league with players uh, that have figures in? Double double digit figures. Uh, yeah, it's like I three think, what, and, three guys?
0: Yeah, they got they got three guys and I don't think that from my knowledge, just off won. the top of my head. Yeah, and, we and saw, it's what stoned them in the, in the postseason. Yeah, and we mentioned we mentioned uh, before that Rachel Dory had tweeted out that Carry Price was the first player that's making, you know, double digits figures to ever make it past the first round <laughs> of the playoffs. And like that's kind of hectic in itself and it doesn't necessarily bode well for Toronto. We should say that you know, based off of the cap inflation numbers, there were teams that had players that were signed to the same percentage of the cap. Yeah. But at that point in time, it just didn't happen to be double digits. So it'll happen eventually, like certainly. But I think it's pretty damning right now that Carey Price is the first double-digit salary player to make it to the second round, and the Leafs have three of them. Like it's going. To, it's it's actually going to be difficult. It's I going to be sick. <laughs> a... You, you uh, look it's... a little green in the face. <laughs> <laughs> like that's just so bad, man. Yeah. Oh my god. No, it's it's it, it's hard for it's hard for at least fans to swallow this because like this year seemed like it was going to be different, and you know I liked the messages that Shanahan and Dubis had to say. You know they're staying firm in their identity, but it seems hard to believe at this point that they aren't going to be under extraordinary pressure to make some changes to this group. And what they are, I don't know. I've kind of come off the ledge where it's like you should trade Marner which is kind of like an emotional thing. Like, obviously... Emotional reaction. Yeah, obviously 100-point <laughs> wingers don't grow on trees. And, you know, he's yeah. he, he likes it in Toronto. He's friends with Austin. Like, there's a lot of factors at play. And I think that's one thing that Lee Station has to understand. This isn't the NHL be a pro mode where you can just, you know, trade star players all over the place and get great return and first-round picks, and they all turn out because you're just playing with them exclusively to boost their statistics. It's like there's no there's no guarantees when you're trading big name players, you're getting back picks and you're getting back prospects that they're going to help your organization more than that player is. So Toronto would have to be very careful if they were thinking about moving this player at the potential backlash, because if you lose that trade and then five years down the road, Marner's putting up, you know, 130 points in Nashville and they win the cup. It's like everybody's thinking like, well, why the hell do you get rid of that guy? Like, you know, he just needed more time. But in the short term, right now, with the uh, wounds still freshly opened and the fact that they lost to Montreal, I do understand, and the fact that he is not the best in his media availabilities, I do understand why the fan base is uh, a little bit upset. I will say I thought that Morgan Riley was the best of them all. Which is bizarre because he's, he's so been stoic.
1: in the gutter with this team. Like Randy Carlyle days you know I know he he wasn't there was he, he came after the year of the 20 2013 meltdown to Boston but still man yeah I think he was the most the most professional like the the most professional sounding in in the in the post season or post post season press presser so which is really at this point he is the one guy who can be mopey
0: yeah right and I didn't find well I didn't find that his uh post-availability, he, he's just so well-spoken. Yes. Seen, he comes off as a very likable guy. Um, one thing in particular that I liked was he's pretty blunt with his answers, but uh, not in the same way that Mitch is blunt, where it comes off as disingenuous. Uh, like, when he was asked uh, what he took away from this season, he was basically like, well, to put it bluntly, we need to figure out how to win a playoff round. He's like, got to shape he's, up. Like, he's like, we can't figure out how to get over the top, and this is a big year for Morgan coming into the final year of his contract. Uh, I believe he makes around five million bucks against the cap. Certainly he's going to be due for a big raise. And this is going to be a the rubber hits the road moments for Riley in this franchise. Because you have to decide what his value is, whether or not you're going to offer him to keep him in Toronto. I uh, personally I think he's a very important part of this team, but like what are you talking? In free agency, this guy's probably going to garner eight, nine million dollars, maybe even be in the ten million dollar range. I think the flat cap hurts him, certainly. Mm-hmm. But like what did Petrangelo get when he signed on with Vegas? Nine million bucks? Riley's younger than Petrangelo. He hasn't won a cup, so you got to figure he'd be at least at eight-plus. And can Toronto fit that into the budget? Is that going to be a player that they're ready to invest in? I don't know the answer to that. And if the answer is no, then you certainly have to figure out how you're going to package this guy in a deal to bring something back in return. Because you cannot allow... Morgan Riley to walk into free agency and come away with nothing if he's not going to stay. You either have to sign him or you have to trade him this year.
1: Let me ask you something just to close out this series. Was it more just the mounting pressure that forced the Leafs to basically choke once again or was it Carey Price? As as glorious as Carey Price was, it was like circa 2012 2014 what have you. What what was what do you lean towards more? Because it before I let before I let you answer You'd think this was the year to do it because they didn't have the fans. And even when they do play at home in the playoffs, you got 20,000 plus fans who are antsy and chomping at the bit. They're not like Vegas or or Colorado fans or Boston fans where you can kind of just like ease into the game. Leaf games, you're on the edge of your seat. You don't know what the hell they're going to do. But in this case, they had... For one game, 500 fans, as we alluded to on, on the previous pod, and deserved fans, of
0: course. How could you... You're playing yeah. in, a, in an empty I'll, arena. I'll, I'll answer yeah. the question. I think there was a couple of things that hurt Toronto. First and foremost, I think the fact that they didn't actually have a real home ice advantage outside the last change ultimately is something that burns you, because you don't have your home for fans in Game 7, and that's where they can make a difference and put it push it over the top. If Do I think it was price or do I think it was the least choking? A hundred percent, I think it's the least choking because you didn't have a problem scoring a boatload of goals in game two, three, and four. Like they were putting up decent numbers. They were shutting the door on the Canadians and they were in the driver's seat. And then for some reason, you know, game five, I'll give them the pass because I think that the team at the back against the wall comes back with a little extra juice. So I'll give them the pass for game five, but game six and game seven, you have to come out with more intensity. Yeah. They we're able to solve the riddle. Yeah, And I don't think that Montreal should have to apologize for having a top goalie. But for me, this was all about Toronto not playing up to their ability or the expectations placed on them by the fan base heading into this series. I think ultimately the demons caught up with them between the ears. And they were gripping the stick a little bit too tight, yeah. as everybody likes to say in the hockey media, whatever the hell that means. They were just overthinking... They were uptight. They were just overthinking... The simple place. It was in the, didn't look like a, the same player. Austin didn't look like the same player. It was filtering through their minds. Yeah, the was, whole time. And at certain points, when you're in a market like Toronto, even though the majority of this group wasn't there, yeah, yet the pressure of past shortcomings are also on your doorstep. The majority yeah. of this team was not there for the four-one to collapse to Boston. I believe probably the only player left that was there might have been Morgan Riley. No, I don't think I. Was, anyone he, was, he, was he even on that? He was on the. Marlies. Was he even on that team? No. So it's like, so nobody's even still on the roster from that group. If that's correct, I'll like go look up the roster later. But that's obviously has nothing to do with this group in general. It's nothing to do with it. But the pressure from that collapse also weighs on this group. And then all of a sudden you start adding your own. And it's like, well, you have two game seven collapses and you have the. It builds uh, up, man. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like you find yourself in another game seven and you're thinking. Well, we've been in elimination games in the playoffs in the last two years and they're like 0 for 5 or whatever the hell it is with uh, the ability to close out a series and you it starts to creep between your ears. Yeah, no doubt it was a choke job.
1: Like I, I, I don't want to just like feed you the obvious there. Like we, we can all agree it was that, but I just almost feel like, you know, we can analyze it. We're obviously not on the ice. We're obviously not playing where they actually like just robbed at points by price. yes. Or was it just a, a mounting... Pr- I think it probably is more leaning towards mount, mounted pressure. Because when you go back to, to 2018, back-to-back Game 7 losses, you didn't even make the first round. Uh, you, losing a playing round against the Columbus Blue Jackets are a complete dumpster fire now. Yeah. And it's just, it just weighs <laughs> on you. I think that's all it was. And you can just tell, like... I think there were points where I'm like, Marner looks like he's going to break down. They don't have their captain. Matthews is, like, trying to find his hot stick. I mean... God almighty.
0: Yeah, they need to they need to do some self reflection. Like I don't know. That's what like, they need to do. I don't know if the Maple Leafs like need to hire like some extra sports psychologists or
1: something. Honestly, Ken, <laughs> I honestly think they should yeah, like, enough the, of this the, like the, look yourself in the mirror. Down. I think
0: you need to like hire somebody or yeah. like
1: have a motivational speaker in your locker room, man. They need to bring in like like bring
0: in Dougie Gilmore. Bring in Sittler a Ar- sure, leaf great to I, get I, them going. I, I'm sure they had those guys though. They need the, like Tony Robbins to come in and tell them that they can, <laughs> that I, they can do it. Imagine seven. Keith
1: like in between like the second oh, and God. third.
0: It's like, okay guys, like here we are. And this is kinda like but that's why you bring in like Thornton and Simmons and like all these veteran guys, right? To try to calm the nerves. I mean, like Jumbo Joe ultimately, like down the stretch, was like a shell of himself. I was surprised that they continued to dress him to be honest, late into all that right. series. Yeah. Uh Simmons, you know, not necessarily overly effective. <laughs> nope. It was just yeah, it just was a disaster on all accounts. A lot of the onus is going to go on to Marner and Matthews, but they didn't have the depth pieces that were contributing. They, you know, really, like, their decor was good, I thought. Um, with Muzzin getting eliminated, there's not much you can do. You saw Sandin make some rookie mistakes in the back ends, mm-hmm. you know, but that's to be expected of a young player in a big spotlight. He's going to be a really important part of this team moving forward. But, and the goaltending was solid. Like, the numbers for Campbell were, were solid. Uh, He was statistically better than Price through the series as far as goals against and save percentage, but ultimately Price was better in four games, and he was better in game seven, pitching a shutout and giving his team confidence to play in front of him, and that's ultimately the difference in the series.
1: And now, here we are on June 6th, the Habs lead 2-0 on the Jets.
0: Let's let's move to around the league. Alright, so the Habs are up 2-0. Let's address this Shifley hit now, uh, because there was some pretty egregious takes, I thought, going around on the internet. TSN 1200 um, in particular like had a, tw- had a tweet that was like, whose fault was the Shifley hit? Or how much was Jake Evans to blame for the Shifley hit? Is it 100%, 50%, or 0%? Um, here's where I stand on this. A, it's like good for Montreal, because they're up 2 nothing in the series. Bad on my Mark Shifley making an emotional decision. Because regardless of whether or not the hit was shoulder to the chest, you can't hit a player with that much momentum who's coming from below the goal line from above the goal line. That's in the rule book. Uh, and I thought Brandon Gallagher, as Ray Ferraro pointed out uh, multiple times this week at the uh, most prudent points, that regardless of whether or not you think the hit was clean, Mark Scheifling knows that that's the wrong play at that time in the game. He knows it's the wrong play. And ultimately, he ends up burning his club by getting, uh, what, what do he end up getting? Five-game suspension? Four games. Four-game suspension. Earliest he could be back is, is game six if they make
1: it there. Imagine they have, they have swept him.
0: <laughs> well, it's like you're not helping your team, though. And it's this classic, like, Nazem Khadri syndrome where he just saw red. He's obviously pissed off at the end of the game. Evan's going for the wraparound, I believe, on the empty net. And Shifley just decided he was going to run him over. And it's a questionable play. Like it's a, like I said, whether you like the hit shoulder to chest, a lot of the former players were saying, as you as usual, clean hit. Jake Evans has to keep his head up. But at the end of the day, the league has made a point to protect players in this situation, and Shifley obviously just decided he was going to lower the boom on this guy. Yeah. Uh, good on Nick Ehlers, I thought as the scrum ensued after to hold back like the the crowd from. So the scrum basically yeah. like running on top of them. There's some pretty good pictures. I look like
1: I look like, like that scene in Spider-Man when he's got the web on either side and he's trying to hold the train back. Like yeah. Ehlers is holding back ten dudes. <laughs> and it's like Ehlers, like he's yeah. not exactly like you know Ryan Reeves trying. To, you could just like pick up three people at a time. But yeah, know, I think you said it. I think you said it, Kenny. Like it wasn't exactly like one of those like holy, mo- like that's a hit to the head. Like he's done. Like it wasn't necessarily like a no, it bad wasn't like the Tavares
0: hit. No, where you're like, well, well, that's well, not that that was a dirty hit, but like where there's been worse stars. hits. Yeah, there's yeah, been yeah.
1: more egregious hits. Yeah, it I'm was, not saying it was, the Tavares
0: hit was dirty. I'm just saying like the the result was obviously
1: worse. But yeah, it was ill timed. It was an emotional outburst, and Evans was in a vulnerable position. Yeah, he clearly lined him up, and he left his feet to to give him an extra boost. So maybe it didn't hit him like what it, it, from from. You can look at many angles, I guess. Uh, He clearly left his feet. It didn't look that egregious to the head, though.
0: I think sometimes, like, the leaving your feet can be deceiving. Because for people that played the game, it's like, whenever you're shifting that much momentum into somebody, like, you're going downhill, somebody's going the other way. It's like, there's going to be some collision there, or there's going to be some change in momentum, and sometimes you're going to pop up off the ice. I don't think Shifley was necessarily going in there, like... I'm gonna like take a jump I'm gonna like jump into him. It's yeah. just like that sort of like happens. If anything, it's like it just I, looks bad when you, when yeah, you, you it leave your feet. yeah, it Even didn't look you're not good. Yeah. look and, and of course like the freeze frames are yeah. you know, people will freeze the frame which sidefully skates off the ice and being like you jumped into him and it's, like yeah, I, I understand why it people just are, are upset. Yeah, I think that the NHL did a good job on this punishment. And I know what the NHL player safety often gets uh well, how shall we say, it? they get berated yes. quite a bit based off of their decision-making, but I thought this time it was an appropriate move. Um, they hit Winnipeg where it hurts, and they're without their C1 for the series, and ultimately now find themselves down 2 nothing heading into a back-to-back, I believe, Sunday-Monday uh, in Montreal, without their number one center. And well, they're going to have to dig deep here to get out of this hole.
1: I, I have been actually tuning into a few games, and let me tell you, I watched Vegas and Colorado for an eight-minute stretch, I believe it was game two, and I've never been more enthralled in, in watching playoff hockey, and the whole entire time I'm watching it, I'm like, the Leafs would get run into the ground, if you're gonna play like that, you wouldn't even sniff in, in the final four, if you're gonna play like that, and then no,
0: and yeah, but that's like when you see, like, like you were saying, like where you see Colorado and Vegas, like it's but it's actually like entertaining hockey. Yeah, like they're converting on the power
1: play, like they're getting their opportunities, they're capitalizing. It's end to end rushes, like the it's Leafs. They just like tending. they were just like they were blind, like yeah. blind skating, almost at points. And everyone was like kind of drawing at the Habs. Jets' most recent game saying was like just dull hockey but it's like yeah okay you don't have the star power with McDavid and Matthews in the league I guess that kind of like diminishes the the entertainment value if you will but it's still it's Winnipeg and Montreal
0: I'm sure Winnipeg (laughs) is going to
1: sniff one out and and we're going to they're going to make it a series here so like keep with it
0: yeah (laughs) for me it's uh, I don't know I'm just looking at it and when I look at the other series that are going on right now like I look at like we mentioned, let's just go on to Vegas, Colorado, because I just mentioned that one. Why compare like the Montreal Winnipeg series to that series? It's like a different sport. It's like a, a different. It's, a, it's like a different league. It is right now it watching really those is. two teams. You mentioned yeah. that their their you know special teams are outstanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a magnificent goaltending. Mark Andre Fleury has been one of the main stories for me. It's just through thrilling the action. And yeah, it's, out, it's outstanding. Colorado has come as advertised, and Vegas is going to be their biggest adversary, yeah. likely, for me, at least. I think that whoever wins the Vegas-Colorado series will ultimately get the winner of Winnipeg-Montreal, I think is the way that's shaking out. So, yeah, you tell me how you feel about that matchup for yeah. whoever comes out of the Canadian division, because I wouldn't be feeling overly confident playing whichever group wins that one. The most impressive part for me has been Colorado's doing it without Kadri. I thought that they were going to have much more trouble, particularly they're against a, weak, a, a very strong Vegas team. Um, they ultimately end up going and losing two on the road in Vegas. The first one was a little weird. Robin Leiter gets the start. Then they're able to steal game three at home. If they can make it get, steal game four, all of a sudden they have a best of three on their end. So not a, not a bad situation for Vegas if they can crawl back and win game four and get back into the series and with the way Marc-Andre Fleury's been playing then like for me he's been one of the best goaltenders in the playoffs like we watched Carey Price but he's been outstanding he, he's
1: I think he might win the Vesna. I think it's it's I don't want to say a lock right now but it, it's close to I mean yeah, every, he, every start like regular season he dominated and he hasn't skipped a beat it was funny hasn't missed beat, every,
0: everybody was mad about who got who went up for the Vesna or who got nominated for the Vesna, and I was looking at um the NHL was like, oh yeah, there's top secret formula for who gets nominated for the Vesna. I believe <laughs> all three all three goaltenders were one, two, three and wins this oh year. My God. <laughs> Cause who was it? It was uh Grubauer, um Grubauer, Fleury, I forget who the third nominee was. But uh it was like the when they lined up the wins, it was like one, two, three and wins even. over here. Wow. Yeah.
1: And then you got you got canes and, and bolts, the I believe it was well Bolts are up three one now, so they their next game is a Tuesday. So that is an elimination game obviously. But the game, obviously
0: was Vasalonsky the third one. Yet. Yeah, how could, how could I forget?
1: Game four, Kenny, like they combined for eight goals in the second period. Like it was just an absolute crapshoot and then the Bolts ended up closing at six four, but that's another entertaining series as well, man. And then the Islanders and the Bruins and you talk about that is Home Ice advantage. Like Nassau Coliseum, I would love to go there one day with you. And wrap a Leaf jersey.
0: The Nassau Coliseum yeah, just think, looks incredible. Yeah, you think that until you go there, and then you're wearing a Leafs jersey. Everybody. Just oh, we'd get. Your we guts. would. I
1: love it though. I just so <laughs> I just soak it in.
0: Yeah. And they, plus, like we I've, would I've, just. I've been there. We just eat uh, it up and give it back to them. Yeah, I got tickets there like a couple of years back when we were living in the area because, uh, like, the Leafs were playing the Isles in one of those dog games at the end 02? of the year. Oh, two. Oh, I was thinking yeah, no two. Players. No, no, no. It was uh It was like one of those dog games that, like, the you know. 20, like late 2000s like early 2010s when like the Leafs were terrible the Isles were were awful too and there's like a meaningless game at the end of the season so I ended up just going down there to like see a Leafs Isles game. That's we amazing. Got, yeah we got tickets on the glass like it was like four bucks incredible. American. Who was in that? Oh I can't like I can't even remember it was I uh, it might it might have been like Martin Gerber. <laughs> it was it was like Hammer Toscala or like I can't even remember. We have to, I'd have to go back. I think it was the year prior, because you said on 9 or
1: 10. 9 they won like 10 straight. I remember being at one of the final games of the season. Martin Gerber was in it, and the Leafs got booed. Because they, they won the game, but if they lost, they would have had better odds for Tavares that year. Do you yeah, remember they, that? It was yeah, something were, like that. That's, but they that's got booed a, for yeah. winning. I was like, this is this is Leafs hockey yeah. right
0: now. <laughs> hey, listen, sometimes you just got to play for the lottery. Yeah, um, yeah the Islanders were in serious. Impressive by the Isles. To Very much so I can back and tie this one up at two. Very um, much so. A lot of uh, stuff buzzing around in the media or those the social media about Barzell fucking you know, getting a little bit frisky with his stick uh, on a couple of plays in this game in particular, giving us some guys like the chin music who are coming in. Um, to me, the officiating could be a little bit tighter in that series, but we all know that the NHL refs like to swallow their whistles in the playoffs, so shouldn't be overly surprised. Impressive for this group to battle back, though, and tie it up at two because it seemed like a foregone conclusion with uh, their difficulties putting the puck in the nets. We all know that they're one of the best defensive teams in the league, but the Bruins are one of the most difficult playoff matchups year in and year out. So, And now, like we mentioned before, Vegas has an opportunity to win game four and make it a three, best of three. The Isles have managed to do that against Boston.
1: Uh, the Islanders are a lot like the Habs, and then you throw in Barzell, and it's like, okay, we actually have, like, a stud. But very much, like, same style of play, like, gritty, in-your-face, hard-hat hockey. And, you know, watching them, you know, go to war against the Bruins. Obviously, the, the Bruins have a ton of star-studded pieces. And the Islanders, man, like, they just, <clears throat> they would just run through a wall for Barry trots. And obviously, like... You know their decor is like not spectacular, but like it's a it's it's a, solid. it's a it's a solid group, and like very very much a defensively sound team. But you know, like I said, like you also have like a star in Barzell, who is
0: continuing just to to carry the team. He was quiet, I thought, in games one and two. He's played better in games three and four. I think that uh, I've been most impressed by Lou Lamorello pushing the right buttons for his group with additions of the trade deadline. Uh, You talk about Kyle Palmieri, five goals for him now in this postseason in 11 or 10 games, rather, for the Islanders. And one of the other, you know, big free agent signings for the Islanders, or I don't know if it was necessarily free agent because they ultimately made the trade to bring him over from Ottawa, but then ended up signing him to an extension, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, He has 10 points in this playoffs for this group, and it's these guys that are making the difference for this Islanders team. And like we said before, like they all can all buckle down defensively, but the points can be a little bit, um, a little bit hard to come by. Yeah, <laughs> at yes. times with this group, so yeah, love of two one games that uh, that you see, but certainly, what's their mentality? They, they, they ben, don't the, break get the yeah.
1: they'll get swarmed in their own zone, kill off like three straight penalties, and then come back and score a greasy one from Leo Komarov or something, and they got a game out of it. Like it's just, it's Here. not it's not clean hockey, but they they get it done and they they clean it up when it when it matters most, I guess.
0: Also, a side note, like you had touched on the Lightning Hurricane Series. Uh, So Nikita Kucherov, who missed the whole season on the LTIR after getting the surgery, I believe, to his hip uh, at the beginning of the season, uh, he hasn't skipped a beat. No. He has 17 points. (laughs) It's (laughs) it's it's actually nuts. 17 points in 10 games. Like he's basically, he's like sniffing around two points a game and he just didn't play the whole regular season. He's like he's like uh, no no problem, just picks up the stick, dusts it off, straps up the skates for the postseason, and this is why everybody was irate at the fact that Tampa Bay was able to do the cap manipulation uh, per se. I'm not technically I'm not one of the people that's in that camp. It's like I think that every team, a lot of teams have done in the past, the Blackhawks have done during their cup runs with Patrick Kane. I think it's smart management. I think ultimately, uh, i said trude. this before, it's just shrewd management <laughs> tactic. And it's using the rules to your advantage. But my goodness, is this paying dividends Like now that Kucherov was able to come back without skipping a beat?
1: You know, uh, that makes Matthews look even worse. <laughs> Dummies a regular season. He should be able to carry that momentum. Doesn't. Kucherov misses the entire regular season. He's just dummying. The po- and Stamkos did something similar last year, didn't he? Like come back for one game, scored a goal in the Cup final, and then got hurt again.
0: Yeah, I think, I think he only played like three minutes though. But still in that Cup run, like good God, man! Like, yeah. Also, we uh, should we should say if you want to, like if you want to pile on the Matthews to produce more. McKinnon also has eight goals yeah, so far good. through through this season. Or through this postseason, I should say. What so a he's, sensation! Uh, so he's, he is. O- he's over a goal a game. Nate Dogg for the Colorado Avalanche, and like ultimately, that's what it comes down to at this time of year. Your best players need to be your best players, and if you're not, you're going to have a hard time winning hockey games. And that's the teams that are remaining. Their best players are their best players. For the Avs, the best players been McKinnon. For the Isles, uh, it's been when they climb back into the series. It's been Pajot. It's been Barzell. Uh, for the Bruins, it's Pasternak, it's Bergeron, it's Marchand. They're the guys that are carrying their groups. Yep. And ultimately for Toronto, that wasn't the case. Kucherov, 17 points for the Lightning, like we were saying before. It's the best players on their roster that are elevating their play at the base moment. And Toronto needs to find a way for their best players to get to that level. Well said. Do you want to have a drink at the bar?
1: Let's go, man. Not that, it, not that we've... I mean, we've kind of already have been, but.
0: <laughs> Alright, let's fire it up. <laughs> Got me sitting at a bar on the inside, waiting for my ride on the outside. She stole my heart in the trailer park, so I jacked the keys to her fucking car and crashed that door. To shit, then away. I'm actually gonna go off the board today for my pick, and since uh, we are recording in the afternoon, I actually have a, a cold one in my hand for a change. Usually we uh, Radical Road. The, I like it. Man. The Radical Road. I really the, like it. Yeah, yeah, it's decent. Beers. I have to pick up myself. I'm gonna give a shout out to a friend of the show and um friend of the show, my father, Garth from Winnipeg. He's going to be at the bar this week because uh, we're actually, he's in town. So um, he's uh, at my house right now as we're recording this episode. Brendan, he asked if you would come over and uh, chat some Leafs. He's uh, he's a big, big fan of the pod. And uh, we're just going to be cracking a couple of cold ones. He's going to be wondering what's happened to his Winnipeg Jets in this first round against Montreal. But I'm just going to be uh, kicking back and watching from afar uh, and hoping for chaos now at this point for uh, the rest of the results in the Stanley Cup playoffs because We've already talked about Toronto's shortcomings. To uh, me, uh, at this point, this now, is it. I have no horse in the race at this point.
1: We we've, yeah, I think two episodes. We needed to get it out. Obviously, the the episode fifty two, the Martin Murninson edition. We need to let all out. This chain. is this is the John Pol edition. Used to play in a line with Matt Sundin. He's actually like a really good player in two thousand six, right. two thousand seven. That's a
0: segment we could do. Favorites uh, wingers of Matt Sundin. That's
1: that's a very good yeah Jeff O'Neill on, I think he played on the power play with Mats. I don't think he played on like right, five on five with Mats. But
0: anyway, Jonas Hoagland. How about, how about him? Jonas Hoagland. Wow. Remember, remember that former Maple Leaf. Jonas. Jonas Hoagland.
1: But moving forward, I mean, we'll get into we'll get into the expansion draft. Who the loose are going to expose? Who they're going to protect? And we're working on player profiles too, in in the near future. So clearly, we were. Uh, Pretty pissed, like a lot of you. But we're we're turning the page, turning a new leaf, if you will. And uh,
0: <laughs> we're we're doing. I something. guess I'll stick
1: with the bar. It's it's. I was gonna go with LeBron just because he was bounced in the what first the round. Yeah, what for the hell like happened the to that? The first time in a decade.
0: Well, you're Well, I don't know if he's ever lost in the first rounds. To be honest his career, I don't think he's ever lost in the first round. This, is, this get, is the first time. I
1: thought like maybe in
0: like his rookie year or something. Or I, first I, year I don't or think I, I, I'm pretty sure I saw a stat, though, that said he's, he's like never eight. lost in the first round of the playoffs ever in his career. Second round, maybe. Yeah. But also, like I Probably see a right. lot of people hating on LeBron. He's at the bar. He loves drinking. He loves his red, so it's LeBron. Let's remember that this guy has been in the NBA, dominating the league for 18 years. I know. 18 years. I know. It's it's actually nuts. And everybody's getting on this guy because he misses the playoffs or gets kicked out of the playoffs. for the Suns, man. Wow. Well, I thought the Suns were in trouble. I feel bad, actually, for my sister because I advised her that um, likely it would be a Clippers-Lakers-Western Conference final. But now it's looking like uh, Dallas has uh, given, Good. given the Clippers more than they the bargained Clippers. for. And obviously the Suns were able to give the Lakers more than they bargained for. So... Uh, not a good, not a good year for the favorites. but to be honest, like in my heart of hearts, I'm not upset to see LeBron out, and I'm not upset to see. I would not be upset to see Kawhi and the Clippers out after they basically just held the organization's feet to the fire to go and get playoff P, who continues to be a no show. It in gives me a season. headache, man.
1: I hate the Clippers so much. <laughs> I really do. I hope I hope uh, Luka and company can can pull it off. I believe Game Seven is. Is it tonight? I hate the Clippers. Um, I hate
0: the Clippers so much more just because they fired Doc Rivers. Yeah. I just feel like he's like a good coach, but he wanted to influence the team in ways that management did not want to. Uh, I, how do I say this? liberally? they they gave LeBron or um, Kawhi and Paul George <laughs> a long leash, and Doc Rivers' was uh, ability to control those players was taken out of his hands by the management. <laughs> As a, like, yes, yeah, there was a disaster. You, I'm sure you read all those stories in the athletic last year. How Kawhi and Paul were, you know, they were like showing up late to team flights. Oh, yeah, mainly charters. Kawhi, and, yeah. Kawhi was living was in like, Malibu you guys. and just showing up late to practice and just skipping team events. And it was just uh, it was a complete gong show in LA. And it is what it is, like, ultimately, just a
1: volatile team.
0: Yeah, and if he wants to just, like, he's already got multiple championships. He won with San Antonio. He won with Kawhi, that is. Obviously, he won with Toronto. So, he doesn't have anything left to prove. He's an NBA champion. He's going to go down as, like, one of the better players of his generation. Um, But for Paul George and, like, these other guys on that team, it's like, they still haven't had any success in the postseason. They're still fighting for that first ring. Kawhi can just, like, chill make it make thirty million dollars a year and just live in Malibu in that huge mansion on the top of like the hill just overlooking like the beautiful California redwood forests. But just, if you're Paul rocks. George, it's like, I mean, Shit. Or, the redwood, or the Redwood Forest in Malibu, I feel like they might be further north. <laughs> Wherever the hell is living, I saw his I saw his huge mansion. It was buzzing around on Twitter. I'm sure some listeners did too, but
1: I wouldn't be surprised obviously he doesn't. Like if Kawhi was just like, Yeah, this is a nice suburban home, I'll just set up shop here. Like it just seems like the most like Simplistic, like orders chicken fingers and fries. Like I feel like he doesn't like Mitch like out
0: or ball out. Mitch Marner uh, just like parmes pasta with marinara with fries, marinara pasta and, and um, French Michael fries. No no parmesan cheese. None of the not of the <laughs> green stuff. No green stuff in uh in Mitchy's pregame meals. Definitely not.
1: Definitely
0: not. No, I, I'm I'm being hard on the kid, but I'm pretty sure he did say that a while back. They were like, "What's your pregame meal?" He's just like, "Just pastas with tomato sauce." I was like, "Come on, man! Like, I'm not Give saying get something, the, dude. I'm not saying get the heavy cream involved or anything, but how yeah. buy a little like some grilled chicken, maybe like you know something like Let's go something that will help you produce when it matters most. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. a little, <laughs> a little protein it's before the game. Bitter still,
1: it's gonna it's gonna linger. It's like the scab. I can pick the scab off soon, but it's still gonna hurt afterwards. While well, the previous just, episode it's just was pretty fresh, itchy. yeah,
0: it's just like an itchy festering scab now. Yeah. God, so the cereal just fall off. We're loyal itself.
1: though. We're, we're, we're pretty goddamn loyal. And hey, the fan base
0: is loyal. And you know what? To all you League fans out there who like are continuously listening, thank you for your support this year. Like we've had a lot of growth on this show. We really enjoy producing the content and couldn't do it without you guys. And the most loyal fans in the world. I don't care what anybody else says. Like, I, and you know, you always see the bad segments of fan bases when stuff like this happens, burning jerseys and all that. Sort that was of crap. a joke. Yeah, that's that. That was a joke. burning Doug Kilmore's jersey. Do you see him re- Shame on you. Did you see him reply on Twitter being like, what the hell is wrong with these people? I was just like, my god. The jersey the jersey burning for clout, I will never understand.
1: You can be pissed. You can be pissed. Like, we're it's pissed. A joke. We're loyal, we're pissed. Yeah. Sure, we're sour, a little bitter. I would never burn a jersey. I would never burn
0: a jersey. I would never burn like anything but like some firewood. Yeah. That's not true. I burned a couch once a spring spring weekend at University of Connecticut. That's but fine. that was it was an older couch as long it, as there wasn't a
1: jersey on it no no I, it had
0: to go we were actually gonna save it for like the final night but then it was like you know how it goes everybody starts drinking all of a sudden yeah and, and it was all of a and sudden the couch is getting moved out of the back of the house into the front yard and up up she goes the <laughs> state police were not that happy about that
1: plus it's also like oh yeah there goes 350 dollars. it's like good for you man like the, the maybe guy,
0: give it to a kid. The guy that lit the couch on fire—we uh, had soaked it up with gasoline. This will be the last story on the way out. The guy had soaked it up with gasoline in the back of the house, so all he had to do was like basically throw the matchbook on it, and it was going to go off. And like they, he was kind of like the in in the Lord of the Rings movie, you know, when the guy—he's carrying, car- carrying the torch. No, yeah. he's carrying oh, the torch. Oh yeah, She yeah, yeah. Dr- like jumps into the wall and makes the wall explode. <laughs> Like, it was like that, where this kid's running with, like, a, like a torch. At Minas Like, yeah, get a, a ghetto, t- or a Helmsteep, I guess, if, Helm's you get, if you want to get technical. <laughs> big L-O-T-R guy. Me too, I'm, but, I'm uh, surprised I whipped on that. Yeah, he was kind of running with the torch, uh, like, this ghetto, like, shitty torch, and it's, like, on fire, and he's running, and, like, the state police see him running, and, oh! he, like, and he, like, throws it onto the couch, and, like, the thing goes up in flames, and then all of a sudden, like, a state trooper just comes out of nowhere and just, like, tackles this guy. <laughs> Like, full Ray Lewis, like, just, like, absolutely kills him. They throw him in handcuffs, and they're just like, like, this is a disaster. I was
1: thinking of Minas Tirith when, like, the dude is, like, trying to, like, burn his son, because he's, like, unhappy with oh, him, or yeah, whatever, yeah. Return like, of the King, yeah, and, like, Pippin's there.
0: Yeah, really weird. Really weird. Yeah, it was a crazy scene. Where he's trying to burn Faramir with the oil. Oh, yeah, that was it, Faramir. Yeah. Faramir. Faramir. maybe we should start Lord of the Rings podcast. Sure. It's a little late in the game. I feel like that's already been done. It's not a lot of content. There's only three movies. A lot to break down. If we watch the Peter Jackson director's cut, there will be more to break down. Those things yeah. are like... analytics. Yeah, those, honestly, those things are like, like... The return of the King director's cut is like seven hours long. Anyhow, uh, yeah, hey, big shout-out um, to Team Canada. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention this, but the result just came out as we were finishing up uh, recording here. Canada beats Finland in uh, overtime to claim gold at the IHF World Hockey Championship. So Connor congr- Brown, congratulations to the Canadian roster. This was um, a depleted roster with uh, a late run, obviously upsetting Russia in the quarterfinals. They beat USA in the semifinals and then ultimately get the win against Finland. So congratulations to the Canadians who, in a year where they weren't expected to do much, they ultimately end up uh, bringing home the gold.
1: And they started the tournament with three straight losses too. Yeah, it was And a climbed their start. way
0: back. So good for Troy Stetcher,
1: Mangiapani, Connor Brown and company. <laughs> yeah the world is just uh I, you kind of feel bad but then it's like because it's not as exciting as the juniors and it's like obviously we weren't good enough we didn't make the playoffs but still want to get our reps in and play hockey so good
0: for them yeah i also a big shout out to like the players that were there because there's a lot of players that wouldn't normally be on the roster true like i don't know if connor brown's getting the call in a normal year to no. come and join team canada if it's not kind of like the covid season and everybody's like ah, you know I'll respectfully decline.
1: Yeah. Nothing against
0: Connor Brown. He had a tremendous year for Ottawa. Very good on the penalty kill. Like yada yeah, yada. Yeah. But do you think
1: they even sniffed at like reaching out to McDavid?
0: Like, hey, no. like sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, they might have. Sh- they might have shot him a voicemail. No, they look, on they, they Shot him a text, but then McDavid left them on red. Yeah. McDavid goes and then yeah. McDavid. But we just
1: did one of those like like laugh through the nose. Yeah. Like, that's it. Yeah.
0: That's it. Like I'm not, I'm not <laughs> coming. Are you kidding me? Like Do you want to come to Latvia for a few days, help us win gold. Yeah, exactly. Well, I didn't need them anyway, so. Yeah, what a disaster. Anyways, yeah, congratulations to the Canadians um, and to the Finns as well. Silver, nothing to sneeze at in this tournament. It's a tournament of the best in the world, so good for the Canadians, good for the Finns. Uh, I didn't see who won the bronze. You? No. No, I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention. I think the USA was up like 5 nothing on Germany, so like now we're now calling Germany was in the bronze I just got absolutely walked, so it is what it is. I'm sure, that, I'm sure for the Germans, though, they were just happy to be there. Yes, absolutely. Hey, yeah. thank you for listening to episode 52 of Leaf spot on the Hockey 53. Podcast Network. 53. Episode 53. Thank you for listening to episode 53 of Leaf spot on the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, remember to follow us. Throw us a follow on Twitter at Ken Staple on at BMcarthy95 at LeafsPod and at HockeyPodNet. We'll catch you next time.